Hello, I'm Philip Stoughton from my house to yours. Welcome to EMS at Sea Level. I am joined by Johannes, who is president and CEO of Note. Johannes, last time we spoke, as we both mentioned before we came on here today, was the depths of the pandemic, I think close to two years ago. You've just been on a bit of an amazing run over those two years, and you've just released some... um, you continue to release impressive results. Tell me a bit about what's happened over the last 12 months and uh, and where Note is at the moment in terms of scale and size. I think that we, uh, we um, yeah, just, uh, I, I did some kind of a reflection yesterday. We were doing, uh, looking at the re- result from, from October internally, and we realized that the um, yeah, run rate when we closed the third quarter is basically twice the level that we had in as a full year result of 2020 that at that time was our strongest year ever so mm-hmm. we have had two fantastic years after that and last year we we managed to get um, the second half of, of, of last year we had like 65 percent growth uh, year over year and and we have attracted several very impressive and 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 good new customer account and we have gained more awards from the from the existing customer account so we we have we have managed to 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 i would say satisfy the customer in such a way that we have have been awarded a lot of more more business and we have continued to to build on what we are good at that means automation increasing capacity um, getting more products out uh, with a similar amount of of, of headcount we yeah. should also know that in these two years we have added maybe 20 percent in headcount while we have doubled in size so yeah that, that's where the key to to our increased profitability comes from yeah no it's a it's it's amazing success and when i look at it it's been through challenging times and when you look at the trends we've seen in in the industry if it had been maybe a more level playing field perhaps you could have done even better what i'm curious about is we seem to be seeing better numbers out of scandinavia than we do out of the rest of europe and i know we're looking at that in terms of um you know local local currencies and they're obviously um currency fluctuations that that have an impact but Scandinavia just seems to be doing really well and I'm curious why you think that is is it is it a a different kind of relationship with the OEMs is it a more mature industry do you think I think this this is a this is a bit of a tricky question to answer It, it, it would be very simple to say yes Scandinavian companies have suffered quite a bit from 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 the from the we or from the long supply chains with with uh, with the uh, high level of production in asia and also in eastern mm-hmm. europe and and in the pandemic with the with the di- di- differences or or the problems in the in the transportation chains it has been a bit of a nightmare for some of our customers mm-hmm. so yes they are sourcing back to 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 uh, to uh, more production in you know, closer to to their uh, assembly units in 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 europe but that's half the truth, as I see it. The other is that Scandinavia is built up around a lot of new, innovative industrial companies, and they are con- constantly launching new products. And they have now searched for for supply closer to their home market mm. instead of going to Asia. So it's, I would say, the most of the growth is coming from new products that are are launched rather than resourced products. So it's. Um, yeah. 
it's a bit of a mixed picture, but I think Scandinavia and Sweden and Finland in particular are very strong industrial com countries where, where, where they support a lot of this uh, tradition of, of uh, manufacturing of products. Mm. Uh, and that, that is what I would say is driving this. Then, of course, the weaker Swedish krona is, is, is good for, 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 for us because we become more competitive when, when you compare us to like China and Eastern Europe, where, where they have currencies that have gained maybe 15 to 25% in strength in two years. Mm. So that is, of course, also important. Yeah. Yeah, and I don't know, you just seem to be doing a very good job and have very good, solid, long-term partnerships with your customers, which I, you know, I think is hugely valuable. You mentioned growing 100%, but actually only growing your headcount 20%. Obviously, automation is part of that strategy, and that's a strategy that you've employed to make you more competitive, to make you more profitable, but also it's one that combats the current concern around um, talent shortages. Are talent shortages something you're seeing in the vicinity of your facilities? And is that something that you're very mindful when you think of the, the kind of automation that you're acquiring? I would say that we are, we are located in very different surroundings. If you take our two largest sites, both are Swedish. One is in Nortelja. Uh, it's um, like 70 kilometers north of Stockholm. Mm -hmm. And then we have Torsby, which in, is in the countryside um, uh, where, where there's very few people living. There are two different complexities there. Torsby, we're the largest employer in, in, in the region, and therefore we can attract basically uh, as many as they are getting out from school, because we yep. also work with, with the schools to see who, yep. who, the, who, the, who everyone that are interested in, in production are, are and so on. While Nutella, we are competing with, with the staff from Stockholm and so on. So salary levels are a bit different and keeping talents are, are much easier in, in Torsby, for example. Um, so that's one of the complexities. But I would say the biggest problem we have today is that we have uh, three sites in UK and the UK uh, um, uh, employee market is basically not functioning at the moment. The government is yeah. pushing up the minimum salaries and that is ruining a lot of the salary structures that companies like us have had yeah. for, for some time. So UK is more problematic than any of the Swedish or, or sites that we see. Yeah, I think the UK is a challenge. You know, as you know, I'm I'm British. I've moved to the US. I now live in Australia. I left the UK in 2016, just before the Brexit vote. And everything that could go wrong seems to have gone, have gone wrong back in my home country since. So it's uh, it's challenging. And the economy there is, I think, more challenging than most places. I was curious um, to explore where you are in terms of supply and demand. Obviously, there have been component shortages over the last year, and that may have constrained growth, although your growth has been um, impressive despite that. Do you think you had the opportunity opportunity to grow more had there been more component availability? Did um, that actually cause you any problems? Definitely. What we When we, I, we tried to... Um, we try to be transparent in our external reporting, and we have stated that we have more than 200 million Swedish in, in direct delayed products. That is products mm -hmm. that we have confirmed to be shipped that we have not been able to ship due to component shortages. Mm -hmm. Then we have another, I would say, 500 million that we are in new programs that we have 
when we got the orders, we have confirmed them later on, but the customers want, want them in, in the past, so to say. Mm. So we have, say, five to 700 million Swedish that we should have supplied already. And that would, yeah. would mean yeah, 20% more growth. But that would, if the market would have been open, it would take off the, the extra sales we do on components, which would take out half the growth. So say that we, we should have done three, four hundred million more if we would have had components uh, yeah. at hand that, that the customer wants. That's basically yeah. what I see. So another 10% yeah. in, in the trailing 12 months is the loss there. Yeah. And are you seeing that easing at the moment? I have said that it should be easy. <laughs> that, well, that's, that's what everybody says. Yeah. Yeah. But I would, Some I would people tell me it's like getting this. no better. I would put it like this, that it's in average, it's getting better. We still have customers where we are facing severe problems and we have uh, production uh, shutdowns for maybe three, four months of, of the main products mm. because we don't get the components. And so then we have, I talked to one of our sites and said, we have fully loaded, we have we have cleared kits for the next eight weeks in, in our S&D lines. And then you say, okay, that site has now, the products there have, have we have managed to get components while we're standing still in another site we have nothing yeah. to run in the SMD. so it's very very mixed picture but the, the average is getting better even though it's slower than i have anticipated yeah so it means you have to be a little bit smarter and a bit more agile in your production planning and perhaps some of that digital transformation with respect to uh, enterprise level software systems has helped with that do you think Yes, it has. We have, we have worked a lot in these two years with connecting the different systems. And, and we have also worked a lot with the warehouse automation to, to have faster uh, setups. We have, we have faster to pick the components. And normally when you look at setup times, you always look at the, at the direct setup and don't even count how much time you spend on, on searching for components and loading, loading the, the, the feeders because you only, only look at the downtime in the machines. We have focused a lot on the indirect setup times and ensure that that can be done faster if we do that we can do a lot more setups without uh, without adding people so that yeah. has been one of our key challenges in to optimize that process as much as we can and also to make the information more available at, 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 the, at the planning part so that yeah. has also been one of our focus to get that a lot more 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 uh, transparent for for the staff working here yeah. And when you get that extra data, that means data available to you, but data available to your customers. It means you can have those tough conversations. They're tough anyway, Johannes, regardless of whether you've got answers for them. Um, some companies are telling me that it's actually made their relationships with uh, some of their customers better. They've had lots of long, open dialogue. Um, that dialogue is very regular and very consistent and it's making their relationship better. Um, not absolutely convinced it's doing the same on the supply side. But have you found that it's brought you closer to your customers? Your partnership has become stronger as you've been kind of working through these challenges together? I would say that this is, uh, there's two, two different uh, this is a big generalization, so I'll start there, but two different kinds of customers. The ones that really understand the complexity of the electronic industry in this time, with those, we have grown much stronger relations. Then you have mm. customers that may have a lot of mechanics and a very small portion of the product is electronics. They might not be as supportive as others because yeah. they have a tendency of not of 
thinking that this is just an excuse for not delivering and and they don't the 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 management teams are not aware of how how problematic the component shortages has been and what what impacts it has so yeah. i would say it's a two yeah. two sides compromised yeah nor yeah. but but most of our customers are are very electronic oriented and they understand yeah. it and and yeah. so 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 the partnership but, works well and you're working together to you're working together to solve problems um Obviously, that's the supply side on the demand side. Uh, are you seeing any softening at the moment? We're seeing, you know, a lot of a lot of EMS companies are expecting a softening, but maybe haven't seen it yet, or are starting to see it in one or two industries, but not too many. What are you What are you seeing in the market at the moment? I mean, we rep- we reported um, uh, just a month ago or so, and and what we see is that we are 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 facing a. Um, a year with with increasing demands we reported like 50 percent uh, increase in order backlog now we know that the order backlog in length has, has become longer but yeah in the in the planable future meaning one two three quarters ahead we see very very strong demand and after that we don't see any softening but that's then it's beyond what i call the the, the normal planning period but but yeah. we don't see, see that what i want to say is that for us it's the best that can happen is that it softens so we get more component availability so we yeah. can get all the delayed orders out yeah and yeah. if we are in a perfect storm that will compensate for the for for the weaker demand and when the demand comes back we are we have no backlog and then we can so to say work on with the, with the growth so yeah. we are we're very optimistic of next year even though i know that it's going to be some customer will half their 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 demands but we all have so many new programs that we have not been able to enter into production so i'm i'm actually looking at this and saying i think i think 2023 will be our absolute best year ever yeah yeah that I've said the last five years as well, because every year has been that. But uh, I think well, and you've been and you've been right each time. And I think you're right as we see perhaps that balance of supply and demand um, tip a little bit the other way. It will mean you can you can um, massively reduce that backlog. And the other attraction is you can reduce the the huge amount of working capital that's being used in yeah. both work in progress and inventory. You know, we spent decades in the industry trying to drive as much um, inventory out of our process as possible and um, maximize the number of turns and just recently we've very much moved from just in time to just in case so um, it I'm I'm interested to see how those things will change do you have you seen many customers asking you to kind of relook at supply chain strategy and maybe some shorten supply chains or perhaps put some more alternative sources in the supply chains that give you greater protection for disruption or do they see this as temporary and they'll they'll go back to normal after after it's even now this is also a very good question because we talk a lot about this that we need to close the the the, the time gaps and 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 also sort of source in what i call the similar political um, uh, hmm. areas I mean, it's it's problematic today if you have a lot of dependency from, for example, Shanghai. That has been a region that have had a lot of lockdowns, and and the lockdowns has been very long. Mm. And, and if you are dependent on that side, uh, customers are getting quite nervous. But very, it should have came out more 
firm activities and, re, and, and, and resourcing of that, but it hasn't really done that. Mm-hmm. So, so I would say a lot of talk, but less activities. Less action. Yeah. yeah. But, and I think today there has been so much focus on just coping with your daily problems to get com- to get the next shipment out. So, so the strategic view has not taken, have, have not and have not gained enough attraction as I see it. Mm. I think that will happen when when the, the shortages are are, are are sorted out, then the strategic part will come very close yeah. off. Um, and I think the, 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 there's a shift already today that we are moving more and more into that because everyone expects the shortages to sort them out in, in the near future. Yeah, I, I yeah, I think you're right. I think as that supply chain reaches balance, we perhaps see a bit of softening in demand. We see those backlogs getting getting fixed, and we you know we we see more more availability of of parts in the supply chain. It will maybe ease some of the panic, and and people will be able to think a bit more strategically, not just in the EMS companies, but also in the OEMs. And people will review the supply chain. Uh, and I think geopolitics plays a big part in that now. And there's yeah. nervousness around, um, plenty of nervousness around geopolitics yeah. right now, which will impact the way OEMs think in the future. Yeah, and, and if you read, there's a lot of reports that comes out and and, uh, and surveys saying that European manufacturing will grow extremely fast in, in electronics because now... Uh, European companies have been very good at sourcing... Uh, at the low cost from from China and and and, and surrounding com- countries in Asia, now they are moving. If if just if the if the if they don't move anything more out, they don't even need to resource it back. Then production will grow significantly. Yeah. And the and the yeah. last report I've said is that volume wise, it will grow like seven to ten percent annually until twenty thirty, and I believe that that's going to happen. Yeah. So, so production in Europe is looking extremely favorable at the moment, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree with you. I wrote a piece for, I think, uh, Forbes or Entrepreneur magazine last year on um, the European manufacturing uh, renaissance. And I thought it was a very opportune time to be manufacturing in Europe. And I think if you're smart about things like automation that allow you to not just mitigate talent shortages, but actually mitigate tap. Um, labor cost differentiations, uh, it becomes more and more attractive to to yeah. source locally, and and just the reduction in risk. And you know, personally, I think of it as a as a more sustainable uh, yeah. business model, both both for the environment and for the the businesses and for the people that work in it. So, um, shorter supply chains, I think, are good supply chains. I I I see that as some, taking complexity out and taking distance out has to be a good thing. I agree. I think, and it's 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 good for a lot of things. But then again, it's it's um, if the world moves into to some of less um, international cooperation, that's going to be bad for the world in one way. But from transportation and sustainability, it's good. But it's gonna it's gonna add new complexity and problems. But mm-hmm. it will sort a few of them out. But I think that this globalization that we have been in it's not going to continue in the same pace it has because yeah. now now we're looking at okay transportation will become more costly in, in relation to the rest of the cost that is a certain in my opinion yeah yeah and so goods landed costs become become differentiated as well yeah and also 
the CO2 uh, footprint will be mm. so much imp more important. If, if you launch, for example, a, 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 an electric car, you don't want that to be produced in so many parts. So you, so you have used up the savings that you do with having it electronically yeah. used it up in transportation of products in, in, with yeah. diesel trucks, for example. Yeah. So all that's going to be much more merged into one piece in the future. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and here we play a very important role to ensure that we can do mitigate those those um, pollution or 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 or, or em emissions and so on. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's you know I think that's an increasingly important part. It's certainly something that consumers care about. If the consumers care about it, the brands will care about it, and as a result, it will it will trickle through to the supply chain. I think globalization is one thing, but chasing low cost labor around the globe is something quite different and something that is definitely not sustainable. I think we've um, we've proved that. So I think uh, good times ahead for the European market. Looking yeah. at your results and your predictions, good times ahead for Note as well. Um, so yeah, thank you so much for talking to me. It's always a pleasure to chat. Yeah. I look forward to updating next time. But.